Hi, and welcome to The Dating Show with Mo. Inside, we talk all things about dating and relationships, but most importantly, the relationship you have with yourself. On my show, we take a deeper dive about how to be a high-value woman and uncover the topics they didn't teach us, such as how can we break free from a trauma bond? Is there such a thing as being too independent? Why has society taught women to shut down our sexual desires? How do you separate building a business and making time for your partner? Whatever my community is into, I want to talk about it. So with further ado, let's dive into today's episode. and welcome to our first episode. I am so excited. You guys, we have a guest speaker and I feel like this guest speaker could not be more perfect for what we are, what you're going to learn actually. And her name is Bridget Brooks. And when I first discovered Bridget on TikTok, I'm not kidding. She is just so amazing. And you're going to see more of what I'm talking about inside today's episode. But when I first discovered Bridget, I literally, I even commented this on her post, and I, I said, I probably sounded crazy, but it's okay. I was like, oh my God, I could literally sit at your feet all day and just learn from you because she is just so wise and so knowledgeable. And I was excited to talk to her, but I'm really excited for you guys to learn from her today. So Bridget worked in the tech industry for nearly a decade and at one point for the New Zealand Trade and Enterprise Office. After success with that project, she opened her consulting agency, The Accelerator Group, as a COO on demand, helping startups raise Series A capital. That work landed her in San Diego Startup Week as the highest attended speaker session and on the San Diego 40 Under 40 list. In this time frame, her entrepreneurial journey has included building and launching four of her own businesses, as well as launching, setting up operations for, and establishing markets for several SAAS startups. Alongside all of this doing, producing, and achieving, her 10-year marriage came to an end, finding herself back into the dating world of online dating apps and unintentional men. In early 2020, she realized all of this doing and going and producing was an energy she couldn't sustain and she didn't really feel anything with the men that she was going on dates with because of the pain from her failed marriage and her heart was tightly closed. This led her to start her spiritual awakening journey to find herself and her heart again. Bridget would experience two more trauma bond relationships before she decided to do a deep dive on her inner healing and leaning more and more into her feminine energy. This feminine energy lean-in is what led her to her career that she has now, a brokerage that provides investment property loans that make it easier for the everyday American to qualify for. Her energy is a magnet attraction for her success, and she has more of a life of leisure, working less and making more income than ever before. Her TikTok channel is all about her stories and her lessons. Bridget feels her life purpose is to help others embark on their healing journey because she wants to help level up their vibration of the collective and anyone else on their healing journey. So with further ado, and wherever you're at in the world, grab your coffee, turn up the volume, do your chores, enjoy your run, and let's dive in. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to um, talk with Bridget. When I first discovered Bridget, she I was so like taken away and at the same time just like so captivated by your story because I feel really connected to you and inspired by you and so I was just like, holy cow, I have to talk to this woman. I could sit at her, her feet like all day. So I am so excited for me and my audience to learn from you. So tell us who you are. Like, what is your story? We want to know all the things. So a brief intro, I am a person who is accomplished, I've achieved a lot, I've built a lot, I've done a lot in my career. And simultaneously, while that's going on, I'm having a rapidly declining and deteriorating marriage. And um, 
this, this was really what I learned now knowing and having gone into my spiritual development journey. This is what's called a trauma bond. And it was so difficult to be in that and leave. And what I learned was it's difficult to leave because of the attachment style, right? Once I did leave, I had closed my heart. I really wasn't feeling anything. I really didn't know how to feel. I didn't know how to access my emotions because I was in so much pain that I had closed that part of myself off. And so it took a couple of years of, of having been out of that marriage, left, leaving that marriage to really understand that I need to do some inner work, some inner healing in order to access my feelings again, in order to be my full femininity, in order to be in divine union. And I had done all of this achieving and going and doing and producing through this masculine shield, this masculine shield, this defense mechanism I had been wearing really since childhood. And once I kind of understood that, I slowly started melting that away and stepped more and more into my feminine energy. And what's interesting is now I have a career that I love a lot more. It's a lot less forceful. It makes more money. And so it's interesting how it kind of comes full circle. I was doing all these forcing, you know, trying to accomplish and achieve, which I did. I mean, I worked for several tech startups while having five of my own businesses. One of them, I was working for a foreign trade and enterprise office. I launched a consulting company. I became 40 under 40. So there's so much that's happening, right? And it was all this like sort of force and control. And now I find myself in a lot more flow. And I find, yes, I still have to do certain things. I'm just not doing as much as I was before. And things are magnetically attracted to and flowing to me a lot easier than they were in the past. You talk a lot about like um, your trauma bond. And so I have a couple questions with like trauma bond, how you healed your feminine, because a lot of my audience right now, she's dating in her wounded feminine and she has no idea. And so, you know, she finds herself attracting guys who can't commit, who, um, you know, ghost her, who are, you know, coming on strong and then leave after like six weeks of talking. And so she finds herself really frustrated. And so but my main question right now is how do you heal your wounded feminine so that you know, the people who are listening can learn how to, you know, attract her dream partner on top of just like dating where it's not stressful, where she's not having to, you know, be in control because that's how she feels safe in controlling, you know, and making sure that if she knows that her partner's doing X, Y, and Z, then she feels safe. And the reality of that is that, you know, you're not safe. Like you're not in your natural state of, you know, your femininity. And the whole point of your feminine, you kind of said it in a TikTok, is that one of the guys that you're talking to, he told you that you were, you know, bring like he makes more money around you because of your feminine essence. And I just think that's so powerful. And so the first thing I want to dive into is how did you heal your feminine um, in order to, you know, attract high quality men, mm. and, you know, and being that powerful essence? Mm. Okay. It's interesting because the question in order to answer the question, I do have to reverse engineer the answer. Yeah. So how you heal your feminine and lean into your feminine has everything to do with uncovering and discovering what your trauma bond is. So to give you an example of the relationship patterns I was having, I was married to an emotionally unavailable addict alcoholic. So alcohol was his addiction who at the end of our marriage, upon leaving, there was a bit of manipulation that felt like narcissism. 
And I still don't know if it was full narcissism or just his withdrawal from the trauma bond as I was trying to leave. And so his lashing out as a result. But either way, the point is emotional unavailability, addict, alcoholic, and um, a little bit of narcissism. Then of the 10 guys I dated, so I've dated a handful and it would just be quick, you know, a month to three months. And then I would be like, hey, you're not a fit. I'm, I'm moving on. Um, I would say half of them had the same markers, emotional unavailability, addicted to something, and a little bit varying degrees of narcissism on the narcissistic scale. So in the last relationship, well, let me back up. In 2020, I decided to start my spiritual journey. The reason is because I had been on like 50 dates between November and middle of December on dating apps thinking, all right, I got to do a numbers thing, you know, like kind of like um, the Hormozy, Layla Hormozy talks about, oh, it's a numbers game. You know, she's very like, it was kind of like masking controlling. So I had leaned into that because at the time I was very in my masculine energy. So I have to control the outcome. I got to get on all the dating apps and do all the numbers and, you know, quantity, quantity. Right. And so I'd been on these dates and I'm talking like sometimes two or three in a day. I was crazy. <laughs> and um, I noticed that I didn't feel anything for anyone. I could not feel a connection. I, I was not interested. I like, I didn't find anyone interesting. And upon doing that and having no success, I decided to do the drastic opposite. And you know, there will be, that's another pattern in my life where I will do one thing and then drastically switch over to the other side, this sort of yo-yo behavior, which I also healed. But with this particular situation in 2020, I decided to go no dating, you know, uh, celibacy, no drinking, uh, eating healthy, gallon of water a day, like start meditating, just do something completely drastically different. And that was after I got the message from God universe source twice through two different people that I needed to do the work at the time. I didn't even know what that meant. Like, what does it mean to do the work? I had to Google it. So I started with meditation. Um, I read the book, the universe has your back by Gabrielle Bernstein. And then I went a little bit deeper by reading Joe Dispenza's Becoming Supernatural. And that one really taught me how to meditate because it taught me the science behind it. And at the time, being very masculine, I was very in my logic brain, very in my analytical, like I need to understand the science before I'm gonna do this, you know, kind of attitude. And so I, so I started the I started meditating and I continued reading more books. The one after that was Surrender Experiment. Fascinating story. It further basically uh, proved the point in becoming supernatural. And I have a list of a hundred books after that. But the point is in 2020, I decided no dating. Now I, this is such a fun story. I'm meditating. I'm about six weeks into it. So we're talking mid February, right before Valentine's. And I said, you know, Hey universe, I'm doing so good. Like I totally got it now. <laughs> what else could I possibly have to learn? Um, you know, if I had any other lessons, I would just love to understand what they are because I think I've got this thing down. I think I'm totally good now. <laughs> the universe is like, here's Brad. <laughs> Brad is somebody, not his real name, by the way. Yeah. Um, somebody that I knew for years. The, the minute I got out of my marriage, I found myself in this like young, hot, rich and fun club to where everybody is, you know, late twenties to mid thirties doing very well, like six and seven figures. 
in this group, you know, there's yacht parties and mansion parties and supercar parties and private jets and trips. And you just go as like a group. You're just always as a group doing big things together. So I kind of got swooped up in this. And this guy was part of this group. We'd always been friends. And it was Valentine's night. Myself and a friend didn't have anything to do. So Brad and his table of friends invited us to dinner. And then because Brad was a perfect representation of that trauma bond, I fell head over heels instantly with, you know, all of the, I guess it's, it's an energetic connection. It is like, um, it is like a magnet if you have not healed. And so for about two months, he put me through, was it, March, April, May, no, three months. So for three months, he put me through this push-pull. He was definitely, by definition, a narcissist. And the thing about narcissism is narcissists inflict pain because they want to see you in pain. That's a big difference between somebody who's arrogant and self-centered and somebody who's, a, by definition, a narcissist. They want you to feel the pain. So he would do things in order to really upset me and break my heart, and then he would wait for my reaction because they feed off of that pain. But anyway, my point is... He was emotionally unavailable. He was definitely an addict and he was a narcissist. So once I pulled myself out of that situation, I kind of understood what was going on. You know, I talked to my father about it at the time. And and my father is actually the person where this all began. And what you will understand about trauma bonds is if you look back in your life, you will typically have an incident that happens before age eight that will cause a patterning in you. It will download into your subconscious. And that is, that's where your, that is where your patterning comes from and where your trauma bonds, your future trauma bonds will come from. And so for my father specifically, he was emotionally unavailable. He was an alcoholic and he definitely manipulated my mom. I don't know if he was a narcissist, maybe to a degree, because I was young. I didn't understand narcissism at the time, but he was definitely gaslighting, definitely manipulative. And so he and I healed. That's a whole another story as part of the 2020 journey. So I called my father to talk about it. And I really asked him a lot of questions about, you know, his past and trying to understand like me and why I was leaning into these trauma bonds. So I stepped out of the relationship. And in fact, this is 2020. This is a pandemic. Like I was losing my mind amongst many of us. Right. Yeah. So I went home to my mom and I stayed with my mom for like a month or two. And I was like, I'm turning off social media. I am going to solely focus on myself. I'm going to meditate, journal, affirmations. I am watching Gaia TV. I'm not taking in any other information, media, nothing, no drama, no friendship stuff. Like I'm just going to sit in my little cave at my mom's house as a 30 something year old and just try to heal myself. So doing all this, thinking I'm healed. My most recent relationship, which was a year and a half ago. So late 2020, like August, this guy, which I knew I had known for a year, was in Nashville. And so my family's from Tennessee. I'm in Nashville, right with my family I'm at home. And he's like, Hey, by the way, I see you're in Nashville. And you know, um, I'm going to come visit my family if you want to hang out. And so we hung out and we hung out again. And then he said, Hey, my dad and I are taking the plane to, you know, on a little day trip, if you want to go. So we go on a day trip and it's so much fun. Like while his dad is busy with work, we go do like a painting class. And so I'm like, Oh, this guy's totally it. Right. And so, you know, we're very connected straight from the start. That's how these trauma bond things are. We were exclusive from the start, even though neither of us wanted to admit it, it wanted to admit it because both of us are playing games. Both of us are being toxic because both of us had trauma bonds to learn from each other. 
So, you know, very soon into the relationship, probably two weeks, this is the most recent viral post. The post that went viral on TikTok was about how I asked him, am I your body type? Amongst other questions, like, what are you looking for? What is the, what are you looking to get out of a relationship? What's your goal? Do you want to be married and have children? Because I follow a lot of Alison Armstrong's teachings and she's been studying men for 30 years. She's 60 years old. The woman knows her stuff. And so she said, you know, you're basically supposed to interview men and find out, could he be what you're looking for? You're not just supposed to lackadaisically date around and, you know, waste your time and spend six months before you even find out if the guy wants marriage and kids. Like if you want marriage and kids, you got to ask him, do you want that? And let him answer. Don't tell him what you want. Let him answer. If you want a sexual partner, you got to ask him, what do you want? And if he wants marriage and kids and you don't, you just want a sexual partner, he's not for you. If you want someone who you just want to date like three times a week, the rest of the week, don't bother me, but let's just go do cool stuff together. If he states that, then you guys are a match. But if he does not, you're not a match. Do not waste each other's time, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm asking all these questions. And sure enough, like we're just, it's like, it's it's one of those instant, like, like it's a magnet, right? Because you're not healed. But I thought I had done all the healing, so I thought maybe this could be the guy. So, you know, we're kind of playing games in the beginning, but I'm playing Mrs. Cool Girl because I have not stepped into my worthiness yet. And so when he does these things of like, I'm going to see, I'm going to make her jealous and see if she reacts. I wouldn't react. And I'm going to go flirt with this girl because I really didn't care. In my mind, I genuinely didn't care if I ended up in a relationship with him or not. But I was just kind of observing him, right? And, you know, that is that is part of being in divine feminine. But I know for a fact I was not operating in divine feminine. I was in trauma bond with this guy. But I was trying to be divine feminine. So, you know, divine feminine, she observes and adjusts. She knows her worth. She steps out when it's not for her. She does not nag or throw a fit. She does not give the guy any hints as to how to treat her. She simply observes how he treats her. And if that's a match, she goes forward. And if it's not, she doesn't. So in my mind, I was like, this guy, I know he's doing it just to get a reaction out of me. I'm just not going to give it to him, which is my part of the participation and the toxicity, right? Like I knew he wanted my validation And I didn't give it to him. And because his trauma bond is needing validation from women, I was withholding that. And so he continued pursuing me. And I mean, this man did so much in this relationship. And it's really how every woman should be courted. I mean, he took me on flights around the country. He took me to Mexico six or seven times. He paid for everything, everything. And that's really how a woman should be courted because her energy is a value. And so, and he said that, he said, I don't mind paying for everything because I make two or three times the amount of money when you're with me, which is another way to like break down, um, another way to break down your, your feminine value to a man. So anyway, um, the trauma bond ended up being same thing. He was emotionally unavailable. He was an addict. So another alcoholic. And not, he was not a narcissist, but in these little games, that's a, that's a little bit of manipulation, right? So simple, once again, trauma bond all the way back to like age four or five when my dad is exhibiting all these things. Now, once I pinpointed, I used Teal Swan's book, The Completion Process. And once I pinpointed the ground zero event, like point zero, I understood that my trauma bond came from 
a past memory where my father was drunk. My mom confronted him. She didn't want him to go out drinking more. And um, he was angry and threw a coffee table across the house. And it took so much work to understand that what that anchored in me was I'm unworthy of love without doing something. So I have to, to achieve in order to receive love. I cannot be protected by a man, so I must fend for myself. And that men are not safe. And so I carried with me that patterning and I attracted situations that were going to replay that exact scene over and over again with men where the man wasn't safe for me, where I had to do something in order to get love. I have to prove myself. And, um, and I really had to get out there and fend for myself in the world and achieve and do and be all these things on my own that I couldn't really rely on a man for protection and providing for. So he ended up being another trauma bond. And the very last incident we had was a fight. And I can go into details, but it was pretty much a fight that I caused based on the resentment that at the time I did not know I was experiencing until after it was over and I analyzed it all. Um, and he, he was again, flirting with someone else or allowing someone to flirt with him. I was not setting my boundary, not stepping into my worth. And I reacted, he reacted. We ended up in a fight and ultimately broke up. Now, uh, this is like two or three in the morning on a Friday night. And I was, I was on his couch crying like, Oh my God, this is it. But I said to myself, and this is so profound, Bridget, why are you experiencing the exact same thing over and over again with a different guy, the exact same scene, different guy. And so that's when I knew my healing truly was not done. And I mean, how arrogant of me to think, Oh, I started my healing journey at the beginning of 2020 and I'm fine. <laughs> right? So it's going to take a lot more. Like you really have to lean into this. You cannot be like messing around. Now I'm not regretful of him. I don't hate him. I don't take that back. I needed him and the other guy, the guy before that, in order to learn my lesson, in order to be triggered into healing my trauma bond. So I don't live a life with regrets. I think it's really important to, if you flip your mindset to what's the lesson, what's the lesson, what's the lesson. Yes. So I lie there on the couch and ask myself, why is this happening? And so then I set an intent. I, I broke up with him and um, I set an intent to find an energy healer. In the energy healing session, she told me about ayahuasca, which I had been wanting to do. It just was not accessible. So she referred me into a private ceremony in Southern California. And through ayahuasca, I received so many downloads. But the main message was stop with all your words and all your thinking all the time and just feel. And it's interesting because I've had so many chart readings. And a lot of the readings say that in order to fulfill my soul purpose in life, I really must feel from my heart center. I have to be able to access that. And so ayahuasca was not having me going through life with all this logic brain anymore. It wanted me to step into my feelings. So that was the beginning of wow. the healing journey. But that was only the start of really wrenching in and understanding what where it came from and how to start accessing the good stuff, the feminine stuff. Oh my goodness, so many things. Thank you so much for sharing all that. And it's really interesting because 
Um, like I consider myself as a dating coach, but beneath the surface, it's really all about self-love, self-worth, because when a woman doesn't know her worth, she's going to not only attract, but she's going to experience really shitty relationships. And so for me, that's my message. That's my thing is like helping women step into her power. So she doesn't tolerate shit. So she has a, you know, high quality man who's providing everything, not only materialistically, but also emotionally and, you know, is aligned with her in that way and like compliments both her feminine and her um, masculine. But most of all, at the end of the day, just makes her feel safe because when we feel safe in ourselves, then we're going to feel safe in our environment. Everything that you um, were talking about, that's like the exact process that I work with my clients. I have this program, it's called Mastering Love Academy and it's a three month journey on how to heal your feminine and essentially like break your trauma bonds. And you do that, you have to really start, you know, shifting your mindset. And so the process is, you know, let's talk about your limiting beliefs. Like, what do you believe around men, dating yourself, you know, things from your childhood, because that's what's going to, it's not necessarily like your thoughts create your reality, but it's your, you know, beliefs around certain things in your life that create your reality. Reality. And so in order to, you know, have X dream guy, you have to really get specific on what it is you believe and why you believe it. Because a lot of the times my clients believe things based on what other people have said. And so we have to like work through that. Right. And then investing in yourself and dating yourself. And this is the part of the journey where, you know, she's taking time to pamper herself. She's taking time to meditate, journal, like do the work, like take herself out to, you know, a high end bar, like all of these things. And the point of that is so that she knows how she deserves to be treated and she doesn't accept anything less. Yep. And because a lot of the guy to fill. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then the last part is manifesting and learning how to, you know, build this relationship with the universe um, and trusting her intuition. Because again, like our intuition is so powerful and it's our guide and protector in life. And so I think it's just so cool that you're just like talking about the process that you went through is exactly like the journey that my clients experience. And so I just think that's amazing. And there were so many things like I was just like jotting down everything that you're saying a lot of my clients, you know, they'll come to me and they're like, Mo, I keep experiencing, you know, men who are unavailable, blah, 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 like all these things. And I'm like, well, it's because like, you're going back to what you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we really have to look at ourselves in the mirror and say like, okay, bitch, what's going on? Like clearly we're the problem. So mm -hmm. we need to start taking, you know, radical ownership of our life because you're not a tree. If you don't like your situation, do something about it instead of pointing fingers. Also, like your mindset. That's another thing that I work with my clients too. Your mindset is everything. And that's like, you know, a, a reflection of your, you know, self-worth and how you view yourself and, and all of that stuff. And so for me, especially like when you have like a trauma bond and, you know, like my clients and everything, when you're in a relationship as a, as a high value woman and you find yourself repeating these patterns because you haven't really dealt with the problem because you're going to continue on dating the same problem if you don't, you know, find answers and solutions and change your, you know, habits and everything. And so like, how do you stay confident in a relationship? How do you stay grounded in a relationship? And how do you like date your partner, but also trust your intuition when things get hard? And how do you lead yourself in like difficult situations? Because at the end of the day, you know, you, your mindset was, okay, why am I experiencing this? This is why this is what I have to do. So how do you lead yourself in hard situations? The number one thing you can do to be in full feminine energy is having hard boundaries. That feels very masculine, but yeah truth, I'll give you a recent example. Um, 
I have, there's a guy that I've known since 2018. I met him in Central Pay. I was with a group of friends. He's with a group of friends. He's unbelievably attractive. Like, guy used to be a model. Okay. <laughs> but I'm single, sober, celibate right now. So he lives not far from me. And he wanted to come visit Miami. Now, the cool thing, I have a two-bedroom. You can stay in my second room. No problem. Even as a friend, I said, hey, I don't mind considering that. Let's have a FaceTime call before you come into town because I want to make sure our lifestyles and energies are aligned. I'm very different. I'm a very different person than I was in 2018 when we met. And I just want to make sure that, you know, you're going to be comfortable and I'm going to be comfortable with you in my space because... I mean, I met him for six hours one night in a different country. Like, let's be honest, I'm not worried about my safety, but like, I don't know a lot about you. <laughs> and so I'm not just going to let you come stay in my home, right? So then like we were chatting back and forth and the conversation, you know, just on text and conversation flowed naturally. It was fun. It was a little bit flirty, like, okay, cool. Like maybe this guy could be a little flirty while he's here. And I found myself compelled to be like, okay, why don't you try this weekend or this weekend? Because I have another guest coming in town that weekend. So I was about to message that. And I said, Bridget, no, you told him the hard line was that he has to FaceTime call you in order to have access to your space. You are not about to send this text, basically overriding your own rule and saying, oh, I'll just pick a weekend. So even this is not in a romantic context, this is just in like a friendship context, right? So you have to find hard lines and you have to hold them, hold them true to yourself. Because if you hold them true in friendships and in work and in family relationships, you will be able to hold them true in romantic relationships. But had I let him cross that line, I would not be keeping a commitment to myself. I would not be honoring myself and I would not be holding my truth. And so if I'm willing to cross my own boundary, Guess who else I'm going to let cross my boundaries? So the number one thing you do is have solid boundaries. Amazing. It's so, I like freaked out <laughs> that people can't see it. <laughs> I like freaked out because like this week, that's probably like the third time I've heard someone say have like firm, strong boundaries because that's something that I'm learning how to do more. Can you go into why it's so important to, you know, be protective of your energy, your mindset? So mm -hmm. then, you know, a man's going to respect you. So you have your own vortex and your mm -hmm. own sort of bubble around you. That's your own energy. And I used to have no discernment. I would put my energy in rooms that didn't deserve me to be there. I would put myself in situations where people didn't deserve to be able to interact with me in the way that they did. And when I was in that hot, young, rich, fun party group, I was in a situation one time where we were kind of goofing off. I kind of like flicked some water on someone and they turned around and grabbed an open pack of, of, of soy sauce and flicked it all over my clothes. And I just kind of in that moment, like we were on a yacht, right? Like we were about to board a yacht and like go out for the night, sunset cruise, sushi, whatever. And I looked down and literally one foot is on the yacht and one foot is on the dock. And I'm like, what am I doing here? What am I doing in a situation where someone thinks it's okay to fling soy sauce at me? And this was a guy. This wasn't some mean girl. This was a guy in the group who pretentious and had access to all the clubs and all the parties. Right. But he took the offense of water and me being like cutesy and flirty and like took it to another level. And I thought, I'm not going to be here. 
I'm removing my energy from the situation because you don't deserve for me to sit on this boat and share my energy with you for the next three, four hours. So that's what I mean by having a hard boundary. Now, the truth is I shouldn't have been there in the first place, but I had not learned my lessons yet. Right. Mm -hmm. I kept putting myself in situations where I was not upholding my own value. So being in alignment is really being in alignment with yourself too. And saying no more than you say yes. And also holding friendship boundaries and work boundaries. So for example, in friendships, you can be in a situation where you're giving, 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 and they're not matching your energy. Now you don't have to be mean about it, but you can simply look at it and say, my energy level is not being matched. So I'm just going to pull back a little and match that energy level. You don't have to completely end the friendship. Some cases I have, in some cases I've just pulled back and matched the energy, right? And so you never want to find yourself in, a, in an equation where you're over giving. Now, another thing is you're not giving with expectations, which is very difficult for women because a lot of times we are martyrs and we're like, well, I'm doing this. And because I'm doing this, it means that no, 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 no. You give and you give because you want to give. Now, if you see that you're giving in friendships, whatever work, whatever, and you're not having your energy matched and you have every right to pull your energy back, but you cannot become resentful and hateful over it because your overgiving was your own trauma bond. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's really important is, is for women to manage their expectations around what they're doing. Are you doing it because you have an expectation and is it an unstated expectation? If it is, and you continue to not get back what you're thinking you're going to, you're going to become resentful. And that is a very low vibe energy to carry. Yeah. So that's another thing. And then two, I learned a huge lesson with work over the last year. So kind of continuing on my spiritual awakening journey after I broke up with the guy, I was crying on the couch and I was saying to myself, why are you in the same scene? Like Bridget, the common denominator here is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I went to the energy healer. I went to ayahuasca. Ayahuasca gave me this big download. And within a few weeks, ayahuasca, I just, it dawned on me. San Diego's not serving you anymore. You're not getting to the next level and you have to leave your old habits, which means leaving this city because I wasn't willing to say no to my friends and the parties and the fun and, you know, all the escapism I had been doing to avoid my feelings all these years. It did not serve me anymore. So I just packed all my things. I shipped them to my mom's house and, you know, was like, let me try Miami for a couple of weeks in a friend's second bedroom, see what I can find. So I didn't even have a place to live. Of course, I manifested the place that I'm living. So everything turned out and it's a really cool story how I did that. But anyway, I was working with someone who it turned out we were in a trauma bond work relationship. Oh Fascinating how this stuff follows you around, right? <laughs> and so in, in my lifetime, I've experienced six codependent relationships. And I did not think I was a codependent, but it turns out three of them, I was the codependent giver. Three of them, I was the codependent taker. Now in this work relationship, the boss, he, the owner was the codependent giver and I was the codependent taker. And at the time that I started this work relationship, I was definitely in like a neat, a desperate energy, a need. I need to be taken care of. I need to be, um, I need this role. Like I need you to hire me for this project. Right. And so he did, and maybe he paid me more than he wanted, or he gave me too many bonuses or whatever it was, because his codependency is giving to women and then feeling resentment from the giving. 
And I did not know that until like the third, fourth time he's giving bonuses out to everybody in the company. And of course I'm receiving that. And I just thought if I'm going to level out of this trauma bond with work, I have to stop receiving the giving. And so I made myself a promise and said, all right, next time they call up and they want to offer a bonus, you have to be willing to say no, unless you can prove to me what I did to receive this bonus. I'm uncomfortable receiving it. And so what happens is when you pull away from a trauma pond of codependency, the person who's receiving the dopamine hit from their side of the equation. So in, in this case, it was his giving. If he cannot give to me anymore and I'm not participating in the receiving, they get, they get nasty. Same thing happened in leaving my marriage. I was the codependent giver and he was the taker. And once I stopped participating in the giving, he got nasty. And it, it felt like narcissism because a lot of the things he did was really mean. I just think it was codependent withdrawals. So anyway, in this work relationship, I made, my, I made that promise to myself. And what I told myself, because at the time, I was also going through a personal development course held in Austin. I started it in July. I ended it in December. So I'm working in this situation while I'm leveling myself up. It, this course is like four months long transformational course. And... I promised myself, okay, hard boundary is if I'm experiencing something I don't like, I have a hard line that I'm going to be unwilling to continue experiencing it regardless of what I'm receiving from the situation. And this is really, really hard for women because I'll give you an example. Like say you've got like a rich husband and you loosen your boundaries around infidelity or having an open relationship because you're receiving the money, the lifestyle, whatever, the, the comfort, the protection they're providing for. The minute you don't have a hard line and that boundary gets crossed, you are not keeping a commitment to yourself. And when you don't keep those commitments to yourself, you will slowly whittle away your self-worth because you're signaling to the universe, I'm not worthy of having what I said I wanted. And so I'm then made a commitment. I'm not going to receive any of the giving anymore. And if I'm experiencing X, Y, or Z anymore, I'm going to walk away because I don't accept that no matter how much money I'm making, which is hard because can you imagine saying no to like five figures of income monthly because you're not being treated the way you want to be treated? And so I made myself that promise. And the minute I made myself that promise, like, hey, I'm willing to walk away from this. I swear to you, the universe lined up so many interesting things for me to be able to do what I'm doing now, which is having my own brokerage, having my own industry contacts, having a flood of new clients. And so that, that's an example of a hard boundary is if I'm not being treated the way I want, I am not going to accept it no matter what I receive in return for being treated that way. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. You just you just like really validated the power of, you know, being a woman and just like the power that we have, because at the end of the day, we really do have to choose ourselves because we're just that powerful, like what we're able to give to the world. And so I do want to shift here in a second about like business mindset and money, because I think, you know, in, in our world, like women don't talk enough about, you know, the luxury lifestyle and money and how like money is okay to have. And so I want to go, you know, talk more about like your mindset with money and, and all that stuff. But, um, my, I have two questions before, what does it feel like 
to go from, you know, struggling in your dating experience to, you know, doing this healing journey and then having men who are literally providing everything because a lot of my clients, what she's going through right now, she's like accepting not even the bare minimum. And so to have a man, you know, who flew you out, who, you know, paid for several trips, you know, who is financially stable, successful, like all these things. Can you talk about like what it was like, you know, I don't know if you've ever dated, like if you've dated shitty guys or not, but what it's just like the difference between this man versus that man. And then, um, my second question to that is how did you know when to leave your husband? Because I feel like in the society that, and maybe it's just because of my background, um, but like growing up in a Christian environment, you know, like stepping away from it, um, and getting more into like spirituality, we are taught, especially like as Christians to, um, you know, if we get a divorce, we're mm -hmm. like going to hell and yeah. And so I'm really interested to see like the difference between your dating world and mm -hmm. like the things that you, you know, tolerated and accepted. And then the, the other question is how did you know when it was time to leave your husband who, you know, you had a lifetime commitment to? Gosh, I've never, I looked back at my list of guys, nine out of 10 of them made well into six figures the only one that didn't was just like a young guy when I left my husband for the second time. And apparently this is what every woman does when she has a divorce is she just, you know, young guy scripts her up or whatever. Um, so nine of the 10 have, have been well into the six figures. And then uh, probably seven of the 10 of 10 have had six packs and I did the math and um, eight of the 10 have, what was the, Oh, eight of the, no, nine of the 10 were six feet tall. And I bring that up because I did I bring that up because I did a TikTok on it because when yeah. I'm TikTok, I'm seeing all these podcasts about men convincing women that, oh, if you stay single, you're going to be a cat lady and have a miserable life. And then women saying, well, I only want the six figure, six pack, six foot guy. And so I'm, I've seen these little clips. And I'm like, well, now that I think about it, like I've got a, a pretty good track record of dating like high level men. I wouldn't do it. Please talk about that. I wouldn't call them high value men because now what I consider high value, it has more to do with emotional safety and all those things. Now with that, I do think that financial stability comes with being a high value man. And the reason I think that comes from a concept in the book called entering her vortex. I think every man should read it. Every woman should read it. Every woman should read Queens code and every man should read way of the superior man. And so I really do not think a man who cannot provide for a woman and a family is a high value man. And it's because he hasn't really tapped into his full masculinity, in my opinion, and he hasn't found a way to carve out his corner of the world and become who he's supposed to be and be fully expressed in his masculinity. And when I say provide for home, food, protection, providing for, it doesn't have to be an elaborate lifestyle. It means home, food, protection, and providing for. Um, and so so how did I attract all of these guys? I don't think I ever knew. It was never an option. Let me, let me say that again. It was never an option to date someone who wasn't that level. I'm not around guys who are lower than that level. And because I'm at the level that I'm at, like I'm a six figure earner. Like, well, like it just doesn't match for me to date someone who is not at least at my level or higher. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe it's just the energy I carry because I know it to be true about myself. And this, you, it does not have to be true about you as a woman. You do not need to be a six figure earner in order to attract a six figure guy. 
a protector and a provider. You need to be in your feminine energy and you do need to be around the right people. So in one of my TikToks, I talk about where did I meet these guys? One of them I met traveling. One of them I met because his sister was my foreign exchange student. One of them I met, no, both of them I met through a social club. One was through his mom. The other one, my most recent boyfriend, also a member at that social club. So when I was in a business meeting at that social club, I was like, by the way, guys, I'm single. If anybody knows an entrepreneur who's into health and fitness, kind of makes his own schedule, you know, likes to travel, this and that. And they were like, oh, if we got a guy for you, it has a plane and everything. So, um, uh, how else did I meet guys? Um, one was through the friends group. Another was at a ball in Saint Tropez. So obviously you can't be a, um, what do you call it? Medium wage earner and end up at a ball in central pay. But I'm just telling you how I met these guys. So it's, it's just social network, being out, being social, being, um, putting, making yourself available. I don't use dating apps. I did at the end of 2019, I ended up on so many dates and it just, for me, it didn't work. I didn't connect. Um, that's my own personal preference. So, um, what was the question? I, so I had a worthiness about me of expecting internally for a man to be willing to provide for. And it's interesting how this shows up in my life in general. My guy friends pay when women are at the table. So I don't ever end up on a date where I'm not being paid for. Because the energy I hold is that I know my feminine energy has a value. And if you want me to put a financial tag on the value, I give a man a testosterone boost. So do you. So does every woman. And that same testosterone boost at the doctor's office is going to cost between $40 and $500. My presence alone has an actual tangible value. And I know that. And so I just don't ever end up in situations where... I am not valued and I'm not taken care of. Like the men would be embarrassed if any of us pulled out our wallets. Um, and it's funny because I did a, a walking TikTok, just putting my jacket on from the Faina in Miami Beach. We we're just taking like cool videos. But then I scribbled over the top of it. Like, oh, when he doesn't pay for dinner, I'm out. That didn't happen. I was there with a girlfriend. I just thought it'd be like a really cool tagline to put over the video. So it, that doesn't happen to me. And I think I just always held the worthiness that the guy friends that were around pay for things. And so if the guy friends are doing it, then you best bet the guy I'm dating is going to do it. Like how embarrassing for him. If, if you're not at least meeting that criteria, I don't need to date you. I can hang out with my guy friends and have a better experience and nothing is expected of me in terms of a relationship or in terms of physical intimacy. So I think it's just because of the crowd I was around and the expectations I had. So you can just hold that worthiness hold that worthiness inside. And that's how you attract these guys. And that's how you end up dating these types of guys. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's just like a two different worlds of these types of guys and then these types of men. And it's insane because your mindset, again, your boundaries, like the people who you're around, your environment, your habits, like everything does matter. Um, and then my second question was, how did you know when it was time to um, leave your husband? Okay. So I had a psychotherapist at the time who I was talking through these things with. And it's interesting because she never wanted to take sides. She always just wanted to ask thought provoking questions. And I think one day she just had it with me, like I'm going back and forth and whatever. And she goes, you know, you can choose yourself. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? She's like, yeah, you can choose yourself. And I was like, this is such a foreign concept to me, me choosing me. Like, no, like, like, 
South Bible Belt, you know, our small town mm-hmm. says that you've got to stick to your husband. You've got to stay by his side. You've got to be with him through thick and thin. And that's when I realized all my religious conditioning was not serving me. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it serves a lot of us. And it's unfortunate because it's the mainstream. It's the norm. And when you really start to find your soul, you start to decondition from man's interpretation of what Jesus meant in the Bible. And so when you start to decondition from that, you start to let go of the expectations that I have to be a martyr for this guy who is sucking the life out of me, for this guy who's an addict, who won't help himself, who won't get off the couch, who won't quit playing video games, who won't stop drinking all day, every day on a Tuesday, right, in the middle of the day. And so that was sort of the first instance, the first seed. And then the second seed is that foreign exchange student, we kept in touch, we stayed close. And what's interesting, she came back to live with me a couple of times. And so she lived with me and my husband on the second go around in her states. And she saw what he was doing to me, how he would berate me, how he would lie to me, how he would make me feel. And so, you know, she goes back, she would only come for the summer. So she goes back and I'm calling her one night and I'm in like chest tightening tears. Like I can't breathe. And she said to me, you've been doing this for 15 years because I was dating him for both 15. And so we were, we dated through university. We got married, stayed married for 10 years. She's like, do you really want to do this for the next 50? And that was my second aha moment of like, no. And it's only really been bad the last five years, really, really bad the last two or three. And I already can't stand it. How in the world can I manage to handle another 50? No way. Okay. So the third epiphany came because it took, it takes you like three times to be knocked in the head by the universe, by God, by source to get your lesson. Right. Yeah. And like, I was so uncomfortable leaving because I had what I felt like at the time was a dream life. I, um, you know, I had my marriage from when I was young, I had only ever dated him. So he was the only guy I'd ever been intimate with. And, you know, we owned our home and we remodeled it. We had our dog and we had our cars and like life was going and, you know, we were going to be this and that in the world. Right. And the first time I really left him, I left for three months and I stayed in a friend's home. She was not there for the summer. So I had the home to myself and I would just cry. I would sob. And it would be again, that chest tightening. I think I broke one of my heartstrings. Like that's an actual thing in your chest. And I think like one of them snapped. I get so much pain. It felt like somebody was sitting on my chest all the time. And finally, sort of toward the end, maybe two months of this, because I stayed gone for three months, I just made a deal with myself. And I said, look, Bridget, if you never have kids, if you never get married again and you never have kids, would you be happier than being in this situation? And the resounding answer was yes. Mm -hmm. And so that was sort of my third epiphany is that I had attached, and a lot of women do this. This is why we end up so hurt, so broken. I had projected onto him that the only way I was going to receive being a wife, being a mother, having this life was through him. So because I had attached all of this stuff to him, I was unwilling to let go of the vision I had of what I thought we were and see. And so the minute I just like cut that in half and said, okay, I'm not attaching this to him anymore. If I'm meant to be a wife and a mother, it will happen. And I have to let go of the fact that it may or may not be him. So when I really let go of, of what I projected on him, what I expected him to make me become, 
that was really kind of the final, the resounding, the ending of the grieving, I think. And I think by then I was really over it, but I wasn't over the relationship. So I went back. I think we were together for maybe a year. Um, and, you know, we came up to a point in our lives. So he had stopped working and I had a couple businesses and I think two or three businesses, no, two businesses at this point. And I was working full time on a, another project, another tech startup startup project. And, um, I had the opportunity to buy a franchise and he's not working. And I'm literally watching him play video games and drink alcohol every day. And I would like confront him. And this is, this is at the time I did not know how to lean into my divine feminine and inspire him. And even if I had known, I'm not sure I would have inspired him because he had so much healing to do from his childhood and, you know, all the things that he was unwilling to face and look at. And so he would convince me, you just need to trust my process. You know, I'm processing things and I'm playing these games and, and I have a plan and like, but I would never see anything happening. And so eventually me working, we have two businesses, like sometimes they make money. Sometimes, you know, they're not doing so great. Like some months it would be astronomical and then other months it's like, oh, that's tight. So I was like, all right, let me buy this franchise. So then we work on the franchise together. And like, we're going through a split as we're working on this franchise and the franchise ends up failing miserably. I lose 80 grand because it's my salary that's paying for it. And I, um, I'm watching him continue to drink. I sell our house because I'm like, if we ever hit like a bumpy month, we can't pay our mortgage. And we are just not people who don't pay our mortgage. So I sold our house within two weeks. Like it was beautiful, immaculate. The, the way that I keep my space there is very like show model home. And so uh, realtor came in and was like, oh, we can take pictures right now. Took pictures, listed it. It was literally sold in two weeks. So we move and the, the drinking continues and like, we're not at a great place. Oh, I end up losing my job, my contract through all of that. So the contract I had gone. So now we're really in a pickle. Well, thankfully we had the income from the house. Right. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, we both get these like big six figure jobs. So when we went from being like poor, broke, like desperate, destitute, whatever you want to call it to being like the top 5% of earners collectively in our relationship in the U S so I thought, okay, cool. Like if this drinking thing was like, um, uh, um, if this drinking thing was a situational thing, situations over now, he'll stop. And he didn't. Mm-hmm. So I made a plan and left again. And this time I left for six months and, um, I actually dated two guys in this time frame, And one of them was the guy that I met traveling. And both of them were six figure, six pack, six foot guys. Um, so like instantly like manifested, you know, these guys, like just in alignment, I guess. So I dated him. And then the next guy, the next guy literally on paper was an absolute dream on paper. I'm talking about, he was taking over his family's multi-million dollar export business. He was blonde. He was the big buff college football player. He was five years younger than me, but totally into me. He wanted to get married, have kids. He was getting his MBA so he could take over his family's business and retire his father. You know, like everything you can dream of. And I was like, oh, this is it. I'm totally going to marry this guy. Like he totally like, this is exactly what I want. Right. And so I very quickly and easily manifested the type of guy I thought I wanted. But the universe had other plans because I can tell you right now, he did end up marrying the next girl he dated. He, men will marry the woman that's in front of them when they want to get married. And at the time I was the person, but then I broke up with him and I'll tell you why. Next girl he dated, that's his 
wife, they're having kids, whatever, right? So I missed what I felt like was like my dream guy at the time, but that's a scarcity mindset. But I'm going to tell you why. If I had married him, I would not be healed. I would not be living in my sole purpose. I would not be who I am. I would not be sharing the experiences I have. And I would not be sort of the teacher healer energy that I want to be in the world. I would not be making a difference in the world. I would just be living my cozy, beautiful, comfortable millionaire lifestyle in La Jolla with my Range Rover and my diamonds and, you know, all the things, right? So the universe was not happy with that outcome for me. And now I know that I didn't know it at the time. So it, so I had a very high level. Remember I had a 60 year job with the New Zealand trading enterprise office, and that was supposed to last three years. So because of the amount of money I was making and the bonuses I was making, and I had, you know, a business and two businesses open on the side at this point that my employees were running. The universe ripped that contract right out from under me. And basically once I built, they wanted me to build a structure. Once I built it, they took the keys to the car and was like, thanks. So instead of a year, it was a nine month. Now, mind you, I had gotten a house that had fridge doors. I mean, I was living, right? (laughs) This is part of my mistake is that I would yo-yo. And so I, you know, I had traveled to France for Thanksgiving. I was just living life. And my ex-husband and I had some debt from one of the businesses I'd opened from, you know, having to live off of our credit cards when he wasn't working. So we had some debt together and I realized I'm not going to be able to pay for the penthouse and for the debt and for this and that. And, you know, we're not people who don't pay our bills. So maybe I thought in my mind, maybe this is the universe telling me that I didn't try hard enough and that I'm supposed to go back to him because together, like if we get back together and we live together and we pay our our stuff together, then we can make this work. And so I interpreted it as I'm supposed to go back to him, which is so interesting. Right. And like, I didn't interpret it as I'm not supposed to be with that guy, like Mr. Amazing. I interpreted it as I need to go back to my, the husband I'm separated from. Yeah. So we get get back together. We stay together for six months. And for the first three months, he didn't really exhibit any bad behavior. And then it started with, oh, it's a Saturday night. Let's have a drink. And then it was like, oh, it's the weekend. Let's have a drink. And then two weekends later, oh, it's Saturday. Let's go by the pool and have a drink. And then, you know, maybe four months into it, oh, it's Thursday night. Let's have pasta and wine. And I just thought, here we go with the habit skin. Like, he's a true alcoholic and this is never going to stop. And so, um, there was a lot of turmoil in the ending, like really nasty stuff. We got into a fight one night. We had been out to the club with a friend of mine and her boyfriend and he drank like four double shot vodka sodas within an hour and got into a fight with me, took the keys. I took the Uber home. I was like, if you're not getting in, I'm going. Um, I was out in the hallway waiting for him to come home. So he comes home with the keys about 15 minutes later, opens the door, shuts it, locks me out. And I thought, we wouldn't lock our dog in the hallway. You lock me out. And so I had to call the cops to be let in. Um, I mean, the whole scene was bad. Like, but this is very typical of trauma bonds, right? Like you'll, you'll do really nasty things to each other too. Because what you're doing is you're acting out old scenes onto the person that you wish you could really act it out on. And so for him, it was, he was acting out some wound that he had in the past and projecting that onto me in this situation. So, you know, the cops had to let me in. And really from there, I played nice. 
because you have to stay safe in these situations. Like he was a rageful, angry person. He never hit me, um, but definitely would throw things and get angry and his, his veins would bulge and, you know, when he was angry. So it's just like my dad, you know, remember when I was four years old and my mom was like, don't go drinking. And my dad turned into this rage and throws a coffee table across, across the room, playing out the same scene. Right. Yeah. And so I decided to make my exit. I waited until he was physically gone on a training trip with work and I moved my things and wrote an email. And then I took a picture of the things that I took because I was like, look, if we're going to go to court or mediation or whatever, like I took half of everything and here it is. And so that's when I really knew that I was going, that I had to leave him for good is I kept trying and I kept waiting for him to get these healing epiphanies and to level himself up and to stop doing these things. And I kept going back and leaving and going back. And finally, I just realized his trauma is not mine to heal. And he has to do this on his own timing and it is not my responsibility. And a lot of women mistake and think that they need to be martyrs and they don't. Your healing trauma, you are only responsible for you in this lifetime. And so if you're in a situation that's not serving you, you're allowed to choose yourself and leave. Mm. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so many good things. I think we live in a society that just conditions girls at a very young age that our value is in marriage. Our value is in men. And that is far from the truth because, you know, like, everyone's so talented, but like our value, our truth, our story, like our, just who we are, like, isn't in another person and it's in ourself. And I think that's where a lot of my clients, you know, kind of like lose herself in the relationship because we kind of talked about it earlier too, but with like the trauma bond, like she, we go to things that are comfortable. We go to things that are familiar to us. And so then when we get into our relationship, thinking that we're with Mr. McDreamy and we have our dream life and everything, and then slowly, you know, the true colors come out. It's really, difficult because at this point we've kind of like lost ourselves because we've invested so much time, so much energy, so much of everything into this relationship and into this person. And so it's hard, I think, to, you know, balance out between, okay, what is good for me? What's good for us? I love this person, but do I go? Do I stay? Like, how do I do this? And I love that you said, because I think a lot of people too, like, women are just so strong and like, we're so resilient and like our love is just like, um, it's unbreakable. And it's mm -hmm. like, when we love someone, like we want to see them at the end because we see their potential. We see their, you know, we see them as this great, you know, human being and this man that he could be. And I think that's where a lot of women also get lost is like dating for potential or, yes. you know, staying with him for his potential. And, you know, you guys can talk all you want, but if there's no action behind his words, like, honey, like it's not, you know, you can't really change a person. It, it's that person's, like you said, like it's their responsibility to take action, to, you know, lead himself to be the man um, and take responsibility of his own life um in that way so he can be the man who like leads the relationship and when you learn how to you know put your value put your um like worth into you instead of you know the person that you're dating it's yeah. gonna be a lot easier when difficult times come so then you know like hey i'm gonna choose myself at the end of the day instead of you know people pleasing or pleasing my husband or my partner because this is going to make him happy. And, and, you know, like you're talking about like being the murder. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing all of that with me. And again, it's just like a reflection of like self value and like unconditioning yourselves from the world and like what we women are like believe, like we have to be this in order to have value. And that's just not the case. And it's really interesting too, because I, <laughs> I wonder like, 
is marriage worth it? Like it's committing to one person, like worth it because like we go through so many like unlayering and transitioning and we're constantly evolving and expanding more in depth into like our soul and who we actually are. So it's just like really, it makes me question, like, can people grow with a partner and like commit to that one person for life? Because like things like this happen and there's a lot of healing. And so you can answer that, but it's just like a question. Yeah. I think that our society is really lacking divine union. And the truth is the vibration of our collective would be so much higher if there were people in divine union. So I definitely believe in marriage. I just think that it's going to take more people healing in order to get there. And so you have to view life as a journey. Now you can go through your trauma bonds as I have, right? And I don't regret any of them. I learned something from every, every single one of them. And look, I had fun. Like I was flown to San Francisco. I was flown. I went around the South of Europe for three or four weeks with on, on a first date. Um, I went to Mexico with, you know, this last boyfriend six times. So I'm not saying that this is all bad, but in all of that, there were some bad moments where I had to learn about my trauma bond. And so I would say now that I've leveled out of it, now I am ready for divine union and the men have to go through the same process. So every woman and every man, you have to go through your lessons. You cannot let those lessons harden you or close you off because that will keep you from divine union. That will make you feel like it's not worth it, but the, you're supposed to go through the lessons, you know, graduate the, the trauma bond school and then be ready for that really divine relationship in if you're a conscious couple, you absolutely can grow together. Um, and I know of, of a, a high level couple who they both had trauma bond and they felt like they were in twin flame relationships together, but they were very conscious of it. And so they would have these like sort of outbursts and then they would talk about it and they would level up. And, you know, he'd read way of a superior man and understood that that divine feminine fire, that wild divine feminine is supposed to spark you and, and cause you to elevate to the next level as a man. And so we just need more men to be educated to this and to want to go through this process. And there will be more divine union overall. And so, yeah, I believe in marriage. I think it's possible. I think you both have to be conscious and aware and, and seeking the same outcome. Oh my God. And it just like reflects back to like your beliefs, you know, what you think that you deserve and like your value, because like every part of your life is just a reflection of you and you know, you are what you attract. And so if there's an area that you're lacking, then it's going to reflect in your partner and you know, your, your life and everything. Okay. So I do want to transition into like your business because you are like super successful. <laughs> You're literally like my dream me. I'm just like, okay, I'm going to be her one day. Um, so like how the hell did you do it? Like as a woman, you're like, you're a high class, you're amazing. Like, you know, your shit, you're powerful. So like, how the hell did you like grow multiple businesses? Also like leave your husband, like deal with like healing and just balance the chaos of just like being a woman with like emotional intelligence and all the things. So I used my masculine energy up until 2020. And I really don't recommend that I did. And I was successful for it and whatever, all these things, but I can, I'm admitting right now, there were moments where I genuinely drove myself crazy. Like I was going, going, pushing so hard that it almost broke me in multiple cases. And I don't want anybody to go through what that feels like. It, it was just too much. My rubber band was way too stretched and it snapped back. So I'm over here and I just swung in the opposite direction. Right. 
and the details of that are for another time, but that's not healthy. Um, 2020, I was still doing what I do with my COO on demand stuff for tech startups and different companies. And I had two projects that took me out of San Diego each for three weeks. And then after that, that's when I went home to my mom and was like, I'm going crazy. This one trauma bond guy drove me absolutely insane. Because what would trigger me are narcissistic guys who are gaslighting me. And so I knew I was triggered. I knew I had some healing to do. I knew I needed to get away. So after these projects, I went home to my mom and I would sit in the floor. So she and her partner, Robert, you know, they would leave for the day, whatever. And I was just at home. I didn't have any projects, nothing to do. It's the pandemic. Like I wasn't working. Obviously that's how I was able to travel with the guy that I ended up dating and becoming, he became a boyfriend. Um, but I would, I would meditate, focus on myself, journal, visualize. And I would sit, sit in the floor. And when I would drive to town to the gym, I would say these affirmations out loud. And I remember saying things like, I am money. I am expansiveness. Whenever people are around me, they make more money. Whenever people are around me, they experience more joy. I am joy. I am love. I am. And I would just name all these. I am. I am. I am. You have to say these things as though it's the present. So at the time I was not money. At the time I was not a joy to be around. At the time, right? <laughs> but what's interesting is what I ended up doing is money. I, I give loans to people to buy investment properties. So I really am money, which That's is so cool. fascinating, right? Yeah. And um, I would say things like, I, you know, make $100,000 a year and I'm making well over that, right? And I am abundance and I experience abundance and I have abundance all around me. I mean, I live in Miami, one of the most abundant cities in the country. We have so many people here. So many people are moving in. Home values are still going up. There's sunshine all the time. I live two blocks from a grocery store where there's plenty of abundance all the time I can access. And so I'm really, really living in a manifestation and it only took me about a year to realize all of the things I sang to make those things come true. Um, and so trying to think of, it was, it was really just embodying that energy, knowing that to be true about myself, envisioning yeah. what my life would be like when those things are true as though it were my, my real reality. Yep. Um, and then I started doing more healing, right? So I was in that personal development course um, from July to December of 2021. And I was leveling myself up even more. I was leveling my vibration up of boundaries of what I was, was willing and unwilling to accept of who I am, of my worthiness, my self-worth, my self-love. And that, like I said, the universe lined multiple things up when I started choosing myself energetically and saying, I'm not putting up with this. I'm not dealing with that. I'm not going to be in these trauma bonds. I'm not going to be punished or have resentment felt towards me. I will walk away from situations like that. The universe very quickly lined up several things for me to be able to step into what I do now, which is having my own brokerage. And it's fascinating how it kept nudging me, right? And so here's how, here are the multiple steps of, of how, but if you are really in tune with the universe, which is why I think it's very important to meditate because you need to be in front of the voice in your head. There is a voice in your head that always talks, or at least for half the population, that's always chatting at you and saying things. And sometimes it says mean things like you'll never be this and you're ugly and you'll never be his type and you don't deserve these guys and you don't deserve this money or this career or this whatever. And so you, first of all, you got to get that guy off stage. Like, Hey voice, you're out of here. Like, I appreciate you trying to protect me by keeping me small, by not going into territory that is uncharted, but I understand your services and your point. We don't need you anymore. Right. So shut that guy, shut that voice off. 
then you have to start affirming to yourself what you really are and what you really want to be. And when, when you meditate, you are able to hear that voice, re recognize it, understand it and control it. And so that's really the point of meditation is to really deeply know yourself and who is running the show. And you are really the observer of the voice in your head, of the ego, of the talking, right? So when you become aware of, of the voice, then you can control what you're thinking about, what you're saying to yourself, what you're experiencing. And so when you, like I said, when you recognize that, then you're going to see when the universe is talking to you. And so the universe did this. I had a friend in San Diego who was trying to purchase a $2 million home. They reached out and they were like, hey, I want to do this loan. And I thought to myself, why in the world would I split this large commission? Because at the time, the project that I had done was for another brokerage. The point was to scale their business, to allow them to be able to hire employees. And so putting the processes in place to be those employees. And then when I saw how much business they were doing, I was like, you basically just allowed me to train myself to be your first you know, 1099, let me work with you. So I would, you know, close a lot of sales, but it was obviously it was split 50, 50 because it was their structure. It was their leads coming in. All we had to do was work and close them. Right. But here I have my own lead coming in. It's a very high value loan. And I just had some qualms about splitting that something that I generated, right. That I, that my energy is, is, is what attracted that. So from there it began the process of like, okay, well, what would it look like if I opened my brokerage? What would it be like? What, how would I structure it? What industry partners would I work with? Because I'm not going to work with the same ones. That's not fair, right? So I got to go out and create my own niche in the world. Then a friend invited me to a wealth conference about a month or two later. After this experience with this guy, he never ended up doing the loan, but I already formed an LLC, built a website. Like I was ready, right? And the universe like pushed and it kept like, it, it, it kept having the guy get me closer and closer and closer until I, I built the structure, but then I didn't have any clients. Um, and so then I go to a wealth conference, it's full of real estate investors. And I talked to a guy and he's telling me the rates he's getting. And I was like, oh, well, I can't beat that. But I mean, if I ever can, I'll let you know. So then I set out, I spent my nights and weekends and this is masculine doing, you do have to do some of it. You can't just always be in like feminine magnetic flow. You do have to do some things. Just, you don't have to work as hard as I used to. Right. So I was like, all right, I got to find lenders who can serve this guy. So I went out and found wholesale table funder lenders who had better products than what he had. So I called him up and I was like, Hey, I've got a great situation. Didn't answer. Text again. Great. Hey, I've got these loan terms. Didn't answer. Texted. I probably texted him eight times across two months. Finally got a text back. And it's very important to follow up with people. I say this because I am someone you have to follow up with multiple times before you get an answer out of me, just like you did. You sent me a link to fill out a bio. I didn't even do it until 10 p.m. the night before. Like I'm terrible. I'm just, I'm terrible at these things. But if I want to buy something, if I want to buy something or I want to experience something or I need something, I have to be followed up with because I have so many things pulling at my yeah. attention all the time. So because I know this experience of myself, I know this of my borrowers, and I am not afraid to continue to reach out and pester at least 10 times, right? So you have to step out of the unworthiness that you don't deserve to follow up. So this is another worthiness thing. I deserve to let this guy know I have a better situation for him than what he has right now. So finally, he messages me back. To this day, he's my number one client. We do multiple, multiple loans a month. He has an entire mentee program, sends all of his mentees to me. Other guys in the conference ask him, who does he work with? He sends them to me. Um, I Let's see what else. 
oh, because I wanted his clients and his referrals to see me as an authority in the space, I started doing reels on Instagram. Then I would take the reels and repurpose them and just throw them on Facebook out of nowhere. I have 70,000 followers on Facebook from these reels that I was posting. And so I get a ton of business from Facebook. Um, and so this is what I mean by magnetic attraction. When you're in your feminine, I stepped into worthiness that I deserve to be treated a certain way or that I would not accept the terms, no matter how much money I was making. And I was making a lot and I stepped into the unknown and I was just like, all right, cool universe. I trust that you're going to provide because you keep pushing me and pushing me and pushing me to open my own brokerage. And I'm scared to death to do this but I'm going to do it. So, Oh, another thing. Oh my God. I forgot this part of the story before I got him as a client. I went to Nashville to see my mom. And as I'm on my way to the airport, poking around on Instagram, I see somebody who I know from San Diego at the short-term rental conference in Nashville. And so I messaged him really quick. And I was like, Hey, I'm about to board. I'm literally about to drive up to the airport. Should I stay in town and come to this? He goes, yeah, absolutely. We have a five bedroom Airbnb. I've got all my assistants with me, my videographer. We've got an extra room. Come stay with us. So I go and in his network group was my very first actual loan. So I went to dinner with his group of friends and I was telling what I do. And this guy wanted to quit his job. And I was like, Hey, do you know that if you do a loan with me and you pull the equity out of your home, that equity is tax free. And he said, this is exactly what I need to be able to quit my job and do this full time. So I'm, I am fully serving him the way he needed to be served. Like he was in a, in a space of attracting the need to want to leave his job. And here I am sitting at dinner. So you have to always know that you're the manifestation of someone else too. When you're manifesting something, there is always somebody on the other side who really, really wants the thing you provide. So that's another thing of worthiness. You're not just wanting it because you want it. You want it because there's somebody else out there. Like the reason you have the desire in the first place, because somebody else out there has the the opposite desire of you. They want you to fulfill that need. So he was the first loan that I ever did. And then I got the big Instagram guy with all the, you know, so the universe just kept serving up like home runs and I just could not ignore it. Um, And so when I realized this was the case, I let go of the old, um, uh, situation. And I even told them, look, I have a couple loans in underwriting right now. I don't need to stay on board and close them. I'm willing to fully turn over the file, not be paid on them, even though I've worked them. And it's a lot of work up until that point. I'm fully willing to walk away from that because I don't want to overlap or cross boundaries or have a conflict of interest. And I didn't even so much as text, email, call, nothing, any of the clients that I used to work with through them, nothing. And I did that for two reasons. Number one, because that is like stealing. And I personally don't believe that you should be taking clients from someone you're leaving, especially when they spent the SEO and SE money, SEO and SEM money that they spent to attract those clients in the first place. Second reason, and which was more in alignment with me than anything, is I wanted to signal to the universe, if you keep serving me up home runs and I'm going to follow this path that you're forcing me, that you're like insisting I go down, then I'm going to trust that you're going to give me all of the loans and the leads and the clients that I need to make this successful. And that is real feminine energy, trusting that you will be protected and provided for from the universe. So long as you sit in your worthiness. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Good. 
things. Oh my God. I could literally talk to you all day. One thing that you said was embodiment and um, a little backstory with me is that um, it was in 2021 yeah, 2021, I gave myself three months because I actually didn't believe in manifesting. And this was kind of my journey of like, when I was in college, I kind of went like at the end of my college career, I was like, okay, I'm becoming an atheist. Like F this, like, this is stupid. Like a lot of like healing conditioning, unconditioning from like the church and church trauma and like all these things. And just a lot of things. And so then, um, I had my first apartment and I was dating, um, guys who like couldn't commit. Right. And who would like take advantage of me and like use me for like emotional support and then leave me for his ex and cheat and like all these things. And I, and like you, like I would ask myself, okay, like, why am I continuing on repeating these like really crappy situations, these guys who can't commit. And, you know, because at the end of the day, like all I want is to experience like such a beautiful life, but to also experience that with someone who loves me and like adores me and thinks that I'm just like amazing. Yes. (laughs) And so that's kind of, so that was kind of like my spiritual awakening. And so I gave myself three months and it was, um, like, I think like May all the way to like August or September. So I told the universe, I was like, okay, if you're real, <laughs> I'll give you three months of my life. And so in, in those three months, that's when I really started to, you know, go through the process of healing my wounded feminine and like what that really meant, learning how to accept myself, learning how to, you know, forgive myself, because just like how people have hurt me, I have also hurt other people. And so learning how to, you know, accept that and fall in love with all of my flaws and, you know, accept the fact that like, I'm not perfect and I'm going to make mistakes and meditating and journaling and all these things and being incredibly intentional. And I love like clicking on it on your Instagram because you're always posting like your smoothie that you're eating. <laughs> I love that because that's what I would do. I, yeah. I, I, I learned how to really fall in love with the journey and fall in love with my own existence. Mm-hmm. And like one thing that I love doing is just like sitting in my own silence. Yeah. And I love that. That's when I really learned like my value and my worth. And one thing that I did for my manifestation was that I embodied my desires on an insane level. Nice. What I would do, yeah. What I would do was, um, I would literally put on like a bikini top and like a cute top and like my my jean shorts, and I would pretend that I lived by the beach. Yes. And then a month later, literally a month later, I don't think it was a month, but just like a couple weeks later, I started traveling the world. Like I literally packed my shit, took my golden retriever, and we like did the van life, and we started traveling, and it was so cool. And then in that time, that's when I met um, my partner. So cool. Um, yeah, just like wild. And so the quickest way to manifest is get specific on what you want, embody mm-hmm. those desires on an insane level as mm-hmm. if like they already exist, yes. you know, sit in that feeling and just mm-hmm. be intentional, mm-hmm. whether it's like five minutes, 10 minutes, the entire day wearing a bikini top and pretending that you're on the beach. Something that you were kind of talking about too is just like remembering your worth when you're, you know, meeting people and trusting the universe. And I think with, um, like healing your wounded feminine, you really have to learn how to surrender. Mm-hmm. And in my journey, especially when I was traveling, I had no idea what I was doing. Like I felt safe because I had my golden retriever with me, mm-hmm. but I really had to just like fall head first with the universe and say like, okay, I trust you. I trust myself. I trust my intuition. And that's another thing of like trusting yourself in order to learn how to trust yourself. You have to commit to what you say you're going to do. Just like you have to commit to your boundaries. Again, this is why boundaries are so important because you have to trust yourself, especially 
when you're in a relationship because your partner is going to disappoint you. Your partner is going to, you know, hurt your feelings. Your partner is not perfect and vice versa. And so if they do cheat on you, if you, you know, worry about getting ghosted, if you worry about like he's going to cheat or he's how he's going to hurt you, whatever, he's going to abandon you, whatever it is, you have to trust yourself more that you're going to be able to handle it instead of sacrificing, you know, your mental health, your well-being. Um, and in that, that's when you are teaching people how they can treat you. Mm-hmm. And so I just love like everything that you said. Um, okay, so we can wrap this up because we've been talking for so long. So thank you so much for your time. <laughs> Where can my followers find you, learn from you, get more into your world? Do you have anything you're working on? Anything they can just like buy from me and be like, oh my God, Bridget, teach me everything. Let me see if I have. Okay, so on TikTok, I'm at Bridget Bricks, B-R-I-D-G-E-T-B-R-I-X. On Instagram, because somebody took my name and I honestly think it was one of those narcissistic exes. <laughs> Whatever. It's Bridget underscore Bricks. So B-R-I-D-G-E-T underscore B-R-I-X. I don't um, sell anything in terms of coaching or one-on-ones. I do have consulting calls for $199. That's usually for my business. But I did have somebody reach out and ask me, can I have a conversation with them? And so, yeah, we can just basically have a one hour conversation like you and I did, but it could be where I'm learning, I'm sharing my lessons. And then if you have something come up, I can probably speak into that. Um, so yeah, we can do that. <laughs> what I do professionally though, is I offer loans for investment property purchases. And so the cool thing about my loans is they, they qualify in a different way than regular loans. So it's a lot easier to qualify. It's a lot easier to get into real estate and scale. And here's what they look at the credit score of over 680, a liquidity of, you're going to need 25% down in this case because these are not FHA primary home loans. So 25% down, plus you need to show that you have in a bank account six months of payments. And then the last part is on the income qualification portion of the loan. We're not looking at a person's income, W-2s, tax returns, or employment to qualify the loan, which that's how it makes it easier to qualify. We are looking at the rental income the property will make. Now, the cool thing about my loans is, they're considered business purpose loans, even though they're mortgages, they close in an LLC. And so for that reason, they don't show up on a person's credit report. And so it makes it very easy for someone to get into and scale real estate because there's no exposure limit, no number of out, no limit on the outstanding loans you can have, the debt you can have. And so once you figure out a way to get that down payment, which there are ways to do it, then it's pretty easy to qualify for one of my loans. And then you step into gaining equity that someone else is paying for because they're your mentor. And then after 10 years, you're a millionaire. Now, the real purpose behind why I love this is I have a deep, deep desire for people to unplug from sort of the matrix or from a a job they don't like or a life that they don't love and are not inspired by. And so for me, what I do is a tool and a vehicle to be able to achieve that. And yeah, maybe it's not tomorrow or in two years, but it's still a way, it's a tool in the tool belt to get someone into the lifestyle of freedom. And with the lifestyle of freedom, you have more choice and you can fully embody your, you can fully embody more of who you are, um, more of your purpose in life if you have a little bit more freedom. And that's what I really want to see for people. Yes. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. Money is happiness. And I think a lot of people you know, don't think that, but I think that because when you, you, when you have money, you're able to build a community. You're able to step more into your purpose, your, your passion and help other people do the same thing. So I love that everyone go follow Bridget. She is amazing. And I'm laughing because 
I am definitely going to sign up for your one-on-one and I'm probably going to be your number one client. <laughs> so let's just talk all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not kidding. I will. We will talk every Monday. But I have enjoyed my time. Everyone go follow Bridget. She's amazing. Thank you so much for being with us today and giving us your time, your energy and your wisdom. I freaking adore you. And I'm just so excited to connect with you more. Thank you, Mo. I loved it. Oh my God, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Feel free to screenshot and share your favorite part on Instagram. And of course, tag me so then we can connect. You can DM me. We can talk about what you loved and why you loved it and just all the things. If you loved what you learned today, feel free to click follow on our podcast and share it with your friends. I will see you next time. Go be queen.